Beneath this mask, there is more than flesh. Beneath this mask, there is an idea, Mr. Creedy. And ideas are bulletproof. What are we doing here? Well, uh, we are doing V for Vendetta today. Nice. Ooh, very exciting. It's appropriate. Yes, because although it will not be released yes. on the 5th of November, we are currently recording on the 5th of November. So it's not really exciting to you, but... But it is to us. To us, it feels very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Pretty special. Yes. Yep, yep. Woo-woo! Okay, this is so weird. We're not doing a Matrix one. I know. It's been so <laughs> I mean, long. We have already done Bound, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even remember it. Yeah, exactly. It's so far away. I know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So today, loyal listeners, we are doing V for Vendetta, uh, with a big little footnote next big to that. Caveat. Mm-hmm. And why is that, Camden? Because the Wachowskis did not direct this movie. They did not. No. <gasps> there it is, all out there. I know. But Chills. Yeah. <laughs> it was directed by James McTeague. Mm-hmm. And he is a Wachowski friend. I mean, he worked on The Matrixes, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much the same, obviously not the same cast, with one beautiful exception that we'll be talking about. Hugo Weaving, I'll just mm-hmm. say it. Beautiful man. But it's mainly the same crew. A lot of the same crew from The Matrix kind of trickled on over to V for Vendetta, mm-hmm. including the director for yeah. this one. I think of it like maybe the Wachowskis could have even directed it, but they sort of threw it to him, it mm-hmm. seems like. You know, they wanted to give him a big opportunity, yeah. it seems like. Yes. Because they were the producers, yeah, and they also were... they they wrote the adapted screenplay. Mm-hmm. And they did uh, some uncredited second unit directing yeah. yes so they were still involved with pretty much every part yeah. of the process and from what we can tell they were like on set all the time pretty hands-on involved you yeah. know so that is why we're including them because even though they don't have the technical credit of director we feel like they definitely have put their mark on it yeah i mean so this we to discuss it this definitely feels like the next project they undertook after finishing the matrix you mm-hmm. know the Matrix is 2003 when it last comes out, and mm-hmm. Speeders came out in 2008. Yeah. You know, they weren't doing nothing for five years. Yeah. They basically did this, because mm-hmm. this came out in 2005. Also, I think it will be very obvious from the themes of the movie and stuff that it fits right in mm-hmm. to their wheelhouse anyway. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Do we want to do the usual? When did you first hear about it, first see the movie? Yeah, sure. Go forth. I think I saw Viva Vendetta in high school. Which is a little bit after it came out. It came out when I was in middle school. And so I probably saw it like three or four years after it came out. Maybe in 2009 or 2010. I I liked it. I, I never found it um, to be, I guess, amazing. Mm. I've, I've grown to like it, I would say, more over time. I still think maybe compared to some of the other actual Wachowski movies we're talking about. It, it doesn't have this flare all the way through mm-hmm. that might always catch me you know there are parts that I find kind of slow uh, particularly in the first half I think generally I like the second half or last hour or so of the movie quite a lot but I, I did like it and you know I liked the message of it and all that uh, it wasn't 
an immediate favorite or anything. But I have to say, the more I've watched it, I don't really think there's anything wrong with it. Mm. It doesn't quite connect to me as much as it might for some people, but I feel like it does exactly what it's trying to do, essentially, and does it quite well. It's funny. The first time I was aware of it is when I, I am a big Star Wars fan, and so when I saw Natalie Portman show up to the Revenge of the Sith premiere, it bald. Oh, yeah. I was very confused. She had a shaved head, and I was like, what's going on? Because I'd only ever seen her with her crazy Padme hairstyles. <laughs> and in the little caption of the photo, it said she is currently, you know, filming Boo for Vendetta. I was like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And then the movie came out, and I didn't see it. Like you, it came out when I was in middle school, and I didn't see it until high school. And I believe we just rented it because I had wanted to see it because I was interested in the trailer, I believe. It just looked really curious and interesting to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think it was around the same time when I was watching the Matrix movies for the first time. And so I was like, oh, they did another thing, even though I didn't. And that's another thing is most people don't realize that they didn't actually do yeah. it. It's just like with the promotional material, a lot of it was like from the creators of the Matrix trilogy to sense. try and get people hooked uh, to go see it. Which is, you know. It's true. Yeah. But... It just leaves out one detail. Yep. So, but anyway, so I watched it, and the first time I watched it, I was one of those people that was super hooked, because I think the political climate in which it came out really lent itself to people viewing this movie uh, a particular way. So even though it is set in the future, um, people can definitely kind of take what they want from it and apply to the situation that they were in in the early 2000s being like oh my gosh is it set in the future it is set in the future i did not remember what yeah year is it, it? there's like a i think there's like a breakout in like the early 2000s okay. for the virus and then um i don't know how long they've been under the the fascist government yeah. but it's been a bit so it is set in the future i noticed i noticed some dates in the movie yeah, i just didn't like in, catch in 2015 on. is when valerie does her movie Okay. Um, and obviously that has happened. It's like 20 years, I think, after that. I just missed those few dates, I think. Yeah. So, which is interesting because we should probably say this before we continue with the discussion. Um, this is based off of a graphic novel. Yes. Uh, which By um, Alan Moore and Alan Dave Moore, Lynn, yeah. which came out in the the 80s. I think it was uh, the issues were between 82 and 85 mm-hmm. and I, from what I've read and I haven't read too much on it because I haven't actually read the graphic novel so I didn't want to I just wanted to focus on the movie more than the actual source material mm-hmm. um, so if you were here listening to see what the difference is between the graphic novel and the movie <laughs> we are sorry to disappoint yeah um, I haven't read it either and Yeah, I, I know a certain amount of what the differences are and why some people uh, do don't not. like the movie, uh-huh. or honestly, I haven't really heard anyone say they hate the, the graphic novel yeah. and like the movie. You mainly hear from the fans, um, and some of their points sound potentially legitimate in terms of differences. But mm-hmm. since I haven't read it, I can only really take it as the Base movie value. is. So yeah. that's what I'm gonna talk about. All I know is that uh, Alan Morris had issues with his works getting adapted, mm-hmm. and. F- he doesn't. He actually asked not to have his name on this one, uh, just because of the issues he's had with the previous movies. I think it it may well not be a good adaptation in the sense that it 
doesn't have the same message as the a graphic novel does. Yeah. But uh, you know, it has its own message, and we can evaluate it based on that whether it accomplishes that. I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I believe the graphic novel is more of a response to like the Thatcher years. And this one, I think Alan Moore's complaint was this is more of like an American like response to the Bush administration. Um, yes. So and and on top of that, it's not so much about anarchy as it is about freedom. So. I know some reviewer, uh, I'm not sure who it was, uh, said something paraphrased along the lines of this was a a political movie, a contemporary political movie made by people that were too cowardly to even set it in their own country is how they put it you know like this was a movie that was apparently supposedly actually about american politics but they still set it in britain in britain as if they gave it some sort of remove which Mm -hmm. i don't really understand because when i watch it um nothing in it strikes me as explicitly american only relates to america i think maybe just the I don't know, because it could really just apply, because it's a whole, it's a very political movie, Yes. obviously, but I guess, I think of just maybe the climate in that it was, it was released, is maybe yes. why people are like, this is an American movie. That's what movie. I think. I mean, it's, it's people are literally just taking what they got from that and being like, oh, this is really, you can just project this onto this, which you can definitely do. You can read into it that way. That's yes. how I read into it the first time I saw it. I mean, I think that is what it is. That that is what it was made to be. Is mm-hmm. that's why they wanted to make it then. It was a reaction to things happening mm-hmm. in America at the time. But the thing is that those events are not specific enough yeah. to be tied down. So I don't watch it at this point and think that's the only oh, thing it could dated. be referring to. Yeah, that's because early 2000 politics. It's, it's perfectly relevant to now. If it anything, was it's scary watching it now because it is even, yeah. it's very relevant. Uh, you could probably be perfectly relevant to, you know, farther back in the past, yeah. too. I mean, it was when the graphic novel was written. Yeah, any tense political climate, honestly, you could watch this movie in that climate and be like, oh, this is scary because this is what could yeah. happen. The main, the main theme is basically just about, you know, what happens when People, people in a country, yeah, yeah, when they're scared of of the other people coming in mm-hmm. and, and the government things. takes advantage of it. Yeah, and that's not exactly a topic that only came up once in history. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, as history shows, it does repeat itself. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we want to go through and do the summary a bit because it is actually kind of slightly complicated. Um, because it, it's kind of like we said it, it's a political plot but it's also surrounded by a kind of a, a conspiracy mystery where you you have a detective trying to unravel the past and mm-hmm. you know he's on the case on the trail and things aren't adding up and so you kind of get a lot of twists and turns along the way and slow builds and reveals so i'm not sure if we want to just kind of go over it because there are also quite a few um characters in it yeah i think it could be summed up pretty quickly. Uh, you you don't need to do it in detail. You know, okay. it's it's just essentially. I, well, I was thinking about it while we were watching it. Like mm. it's it's actually fairly straightforward, despite the amount of characters and things. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of the the timeline in which it takes place, you know. Yes. It starts on well November fourth. Yes. And it ends on the next night, November fourth, as it turns to the fifth. So it it just takes place over a year. Mm-hmm. And the structure is rather elegant, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want me to do it? I was going to just do it. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. Totally. Um, 
we have our main character, Evie, mm-hmm. who is just walking around at night. She's going somewhere she that is, is going, relevant. Yeah. yeah, she's she's going to meet one of the other characters that will be met later, and uh, she encounters some corrupt policeman. Basically, mm-hmm. V shows up, our masked hero. Yes, she her. is. Uh, there is a curfew now yeah. under this current government, and she is breaking it and walks out that night and gets caught, like you said, by the policeman. They are super gross and definitely mm-hmm. trying to rape her, and she gets saved by V. Yeah, and so after he's, he's saved her, he just he takes her with him to see what he is planning that night, which is a big... Uh, what is it he destroys? It's he the, destroys the old Bailey. Yeah, the old Bailey. Mm-hmm. He blows it up. Yeah. And has a big fireworks display and music. Mm-hmm. And then essentially the next day he, he broadcasts a message to everyone saying he did it. Yeah. And that they better prepare for a year from now. Yeah. When he's gonna he is, make it yeah. Yeah, he's inviting people to essentially be like, Something's very wrong with this country and if you guys also agree that the way things are going politically and you should probably step up with me next year and I invite you to come join me for a really memorable 5th of November, mm-hmm. a.k.a. we gonna blow some shit up, so. Yeah, well, while he's he's sending this message, mm-hmm. uh, which sends it to the, the station where uh, Evie works, yep. and so uh, she helps him escape, and as a result, they have it on camera, so she's complicit, and he, he takes her with him to his lair. Yes. And essentially, I mean, it's pretty straightforward from there, really. It's just he's trying to teach her Mm-hmm. how he thinks and while he's doing that he is going out and he is getting he's revenge he's killing people yeah, yeah. On, on people that basically done abused, him wrong yes abused him and other minority groups who mm-hmm. were all gathered together in the past and, and experimented on and V is one of them mm-hmm. and so he's getting revenge on all the people that did it yes and while he is doing that Evie is trying to learn to trust him Hmm. And eventually he puts her through this awful process. Yeah, <laughs> that's not fun. That's a big twist. Yes, <laughs> where um, he... Yeah, so essentially what happens, it's interesting. He escapes with her. They get caught on camera. Oh. And so there's like these two parallel storylines going where it's him with her trying to be like, I'm doing these things for certain reasons, for revenge, and people are corrupt, and what they did to me was horrible, and this country needs to be fixed and simultaneously while that's happening we have a detective who Mm. has been sent by the the government to try and hunt down v and you know follow the lead follow the case on this and while he's doing that he's also kind of digging up v's past so they're kind of getting revealed at the same time and so what happens is evie when she wakes up after helping him escape and he tells her hey i'm sorry they know that you're an accomplice with me you have to lie low for a year she just freaks out it's like (laughs) oh my god and doesn't handle it very well on top of learning that he is killing people and will continue to kill people Mm -hmm. and it's funny because he's trying to teach her his views and long story short she is all geared up to betray him and get out as soon as she can like she's like oh i always wanted to be an actress and then she's like okay i can do this i can figure out to gain his trust so i can leave the place And she essentially does, because he needs help on one of his murder outings. And she manages to escape, runs to a friend's house, her boss, who she was trying to see in the beginning of the movie. And long story short, 
he does a very um, dangerous broadcast, kind of a spoof comedy against mm-hmm. the government, and then they come after him, and then she gets dragged away too and caught. So the implication is they've both been caught by the government and they're both getting tortured and interrogated by the government. But the big twist is it's actually V who caught Evie and mm-hmm. is torturing her, <laughs> which is not great, but she does, you know... Yes, well, he wants to make her... Uh, experience exactly what he experienced. Experience he experienced, and also get to a point where she is willing to put something above her, the value of her life, yes. like an ideal, which in this case is not betraying V. Or not living in fear of a government anymore. Yes, but I mean, that's how, yeah. he, how he does it, is, is he has the him pretending to be someone else, telling her, like, you have to tell us what you know, you have to help us, mm-hmm. and she won't ever do it even when he threatens her with death. And mm-hmm. so after he's felt it's convincing enough, essentially, over time, and mm-hmm. it lasts long enough, he reveals it was actually him. Mm-hmm. She basically goes, okay, I understand the lesson you were teaching, but I don't really want to see you anymore, so I'm going yeah. <laughs> to leave until I, you know, what happens next November 5th. You know, we'll see what goes on, but I'm not going to stay here with you until then. Mm-hmm. Although he does ask her, to come back. To come back before it actually happens. Mm-hmm. And then, well, she does, mm-hmm. and essentially, I mean, we're skimming past, like, the details of all the different, uh, you know, villains. And, and players the, involved uh, with the, the conspiracy players. plot. But essentially, we can talk about some of those things, yeah. and maybe not others, but basically, she, she does come back, they sort of have a bit of reconciliation, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, he ends up going through with his plan to blow up parliament. houses, uh, houses of parliament, and um, she, he is he is mortally wounded in the process, yeah. and so she has to make the final decision. Uh, he sort of leaves it to her, you know, to to send off the bombs or not to do it, mm-hmm. and sort of passes the mantle to her in a way. Mm-hmm. And also, I guess it's worth mentioning the other major thing that's been happening the whole time is just. You see that the tension has been building all year, basically, since his broadcast, because yeah. the people do think something is wrong. Yeah, they're starting to fight yeah. back. And and so it's basically, it's working. Yes. And they all show up to see what he's going to do at the mm-hmm. end, you know. And he does do it. He well, blows. he doesn't do it. Evie does it. Yes. Blows up the Houses of Parliament. And that's the, you know, nuts and bolts of the plot. That's That's what happens, right? Yep. So wants to blow up a building, blows up a building. It means more than just a building. It does, <laughs> yes. It's about revolution. And yes. <laughs> and yes, yes. But that's the that's the fun part that we can dig into now. Mm-hmm. So. I wanted to talk about um, casting because I think yes, it's brilliant well, so many stroke. people. There, on top of there being a lot of characters, like I said, we pretty much streamlined that that plot of you know what's paralleling while he is kind of taking Evie under mm-hmm. his wing. There's a lot going on with what the, the detective is uncovering and the you know nefarious characters involved with that. But uh, casting is super brilliant because, like we said before, in this movie, set in the future, Burton is under a fascist government, and the head of that government is uh, the character Adam Sutler, who is played by John Hurt, mm-hmm. which is brilliant because he is a, not only kick-ass famous actor <laughs> who we all love very much and miss oh. yes anyway moving on he is uh, also kind of famous for being in George Orwell's 1984 
mm-hmm. where he is playing the character trying to you know, fight the system against Big Brother. And in this one, it's genius because they essentially cast him as Big Brother, yeah. as a very paranoid chancellor who is kind of like the boogeyman and really thrives on people's fear and using that to his advantage and using that to get his very scary political agenda out there. He's just a big head on a screen yeah, for most of the movie. Yeah, which is delightful. It's a beautiful image because it just kind of completely subverts his his other really famous yes. role in 1984. It's just the voice He's of become authority. Big Brother, yeah. So, I mean, we run through it. Who, who works for him? All right, so you have him at the top, and then he has all his little minions. So you have the guy in the media who runs the, the BTN network. Yeah. Um, that Evie works at, and he's kind of a genius in censorship and framing the narrative. And he has a really excellent line of, "Where we report the news, not fabricate it." That's the government's job. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a kind of a side character, and then we have obviously um, Detective Finch, who is our main dude, who is been he has been sent to investigate V and trying to stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, you and have he works with uh, Rupert Graves. Yeah, for all you Sherlock fans <laughs> out there. I don't know there. his character's name, I forgot. Lestrade. Yes. Greg Lestrade. No, no, in, in V for Vendetta. Oh, his name's Dominic. Okay. I had go. to look that up. I did not know that off yes. the top of my head. Uh, and he is in just everything. Yes, but he sneaks in there. He's also With in his there. dark brown hair, which threw me for a mm-hmm. second. But uh, yeah, so you have Finch and Dominic working together on this case. And then you have uh, Mr. Creedy, who is kind of like the brute force of the party under the secret police yeah he's the scary scary guy who likes to black bag people and torture them yeah well you're talking about the the tv guy were you talking about the the blondish yes the the one who like disarms the bomb the man from coupling yes Yes. (laughs) who's also in speed racer yes he is in speed racer can he please another reporter it's just like how the uh news broadcaster Mm. man uh who's what's that actor's name his name is um the news broadcaster? He is also on Speed Racer. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I forgot his name. I think I'm his so last sorry. name is Alam or Alam yes. or something like that. Yeah. You yes. would know him if you saw him. He's pretty recognizable. He, he shows great. up in a lot of British stuff. Um, he's actually, I always forget he's not in this very much mm-mm. because he's, he's in the so beginning. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's the first one to die, so he's out of it pretty quick. Oh, no. I know who you're talking about. Sorry. I was thinking of, um, oh, God, what is his name? Which one? I thought you were talking about the um, the guy that we were just talking about from Coupling. Yes. Well, I was distinguishing between them. Okay. I'm sorry. You're talking about, like, the Voice of London guy. Yes. The Voice yes. of Britain. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Sorry. They're both Roger. in Speed Racer. I think his Racer. name is Roger. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's in, he's in Speed Racer. They must sorry, have just liked bad. some of the people they were yeah. working with Well, he's this delightful one. and terrifying and gross, so he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I got confused. No, There's a okay. lot of media people, there and are. it's fun to see them, you know, doing a broadcast in comparison to the behind the scenes because mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, this is all bullshit. Yeah, I really like some of that stuff. Actually, it's some yeah. of my favorite uh, stuff in the st- beginning. stuff in the movie. Yeah. more of I guess s- subtler satire, obviously, than the rest of the movie, which is necessarily over Pretty the blunt. top. Yeah. yeah, but anywho, um, and then another fun. Uh, casting note Hugo Weaving is V he was not the original choice yeah. because we originally had James Purfoy 
Mm-hmm. He was in it, and then I think after about four weeks, he dropped out. He did not like the mask. He did not like the mask, and I do not blame him because that is hard to act in, mm-hmm. I would imagine. And I, I, I looked at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and they also had a slightly hard time with the mask because you couldn't hear him very well, even though they had wired up mics mm-hmm. for anyone who was playing V after he got recast uh, with Hugo Weaving. So Hugo Weaving essentially had to re-record all of his lines in post-production because you just couldn't hear them when they were filming. Yeah. Um, and and I, it's not really clear which scenes James Purfoy is in, because he's only in a few. Yeah. But, uh, Apparently the director can tell, but he says the audience shouldn't be able to, because yeah. everything was just re-recorded over. And it's the same with, like, the nice thing about the mask is you can have a lot of people playing V, as long as you get Hugo Weaving's voice. So you can have, like, stuntmen do mm-hmm. it, and obviously Hugo, but it, it's never really, like, mm-hmm. it's not very obvious... That it's different people, I can't tell. Yes, well, I saw some speculation that that one of them um, moves slower. Really? That Hugo um, moves quicker and has like sharper movements, and that maybe there's some Adrian scenes Smith where he's <laughs> he's a bit more Still. slow and dramatic, and maybe that's the original. Interesting. Uh, but I don't think anyone really can tell unless no. they were involved in making the movie. Exactly. It's pretty tied down it's pretty yeah. it just seems like it's Hugo the whole time pretty mm-hmm. much yeah you identify that voice yeah with him it's just, just like it's a, good because it's like you know it's Hugo but it's also it's not his normal accent and it's not the mm-hmm. Agent Smith accent um he does a very nice clipped British yeah I well he's, he's very good and I think obviously a large part of it is the costume and the mask yeah but Which while I, I think of it as Hugo weaving and I and I really enjoy it I really don't I don't think of it as him in the sense that, like, I don't picture him under there, you know? Right. Which is kind of wonderful, because mm-hmm. it, it really reinforces the whole thing at the end, where it's like, anybody could be V type of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, yeah, it's, I think there probably would have been a great temptation in an adaptation to have him take off the mask at yeah. some point and let you see his face. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing you get is obviously his hands when he's... Mm-hmm. Uh, the first morning Evie wakes up after the whole escape, um, you see his really grotesquely burnt yeah. hands... And I wouldn't be surprised if that was a hard sell, like to the yeah uh, the studios. Yeah, uh, and that again would be helpful if we had read the graphic novel. They, I'm pretty sure he never gets oh unmasked, no. but he I never does. Don't know, um, but that is another point with the novel. I know that um, obviously the mask was supposed to stay the same, but they said like the artist in the graphic novel did change it slightly to just help convey mood because it's yeah. just a different medium. That makes sense. And they were considering changing his mask ever so slightly in the story for certain scenes and then decide against it they're like we're gonna just keep it the same and we're just gonna have to change the lighting so on a technical level they're like Uh the mask was very difficult to work with just in the sense like you can't hear the actor very well you have to make sure you're conveying the right mood obviously you had a great enough actor do it yeah well i like that they didn't it it conveys a lot of trust for the actor doing it exactly and it makes it one of those it's like a the the Kuleshov effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, they don't they didn't change the man's face at all, uh, but it's they just edited different things. Too. Yeah, in yeah. between, the audience reacts differently, and there are scenes where I see um, I don't know V is being a bit more playful or something, mm-hmm. and and it seems perfectly fitting to his face because mm-hmm. he has a you know creepy grin on. Yes, uh, but then there are scenes where he's being much more dark and like suddenly it looks really it ironic looks super and, menacing and strange because yeah, it doesn't match the emotion behind it it's great that they, it never changes yeah yeah i appreciate that we awesome. like hugo weaving he's great 
Yeah. I really enjoyed the inspector, Finch. Yes. I think he's, he's very good. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen Ray. And uh, Stephen Fry is in it as well. Yes, of course. Yeah, Stephen Fry they got is quite the... A, they got quite a good cast, actually, I must sort say. Of, yeah, just sort of riffing on himself in yeah. a way, I think, being a distinguished, intelligent gay man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, Which is his character's uh, main plot point, as yeah. he is the boss of Evie. And he is kind of expected to invite nice, pretty ladies that he works with mm-hmm. to come home with him. And that is kind of the spark of the whole beginning. And it is later revealed when she manages to escape from V uh, and kind of takes refuge at his place. He's like, well, you're the least of my worries because I am actually, he doesn't explicitly say it, but it's like he's gay and he collects artwork that is considered dangerous to the yes. state Subversive. and also books too he like i think yes, the like reason the why the quran is the reason why he ends up getting executed so yeah, yeah they were just gonna let him off with a warning and then they found that so he got murdered he's great i think yeah uh, a nice source of um levity yes it's, it's not a very Agreed. it's not funny a happy movie, movie. You know? not a very um, happy movie no um that that's definitely something i think you could say is a bit more of a uh, less of a Wachowski thing to mm-hmm. it for talking about how it feels so much like a movie they would make, but mm-hmm. there are some differences, and I think one of those differences is that the movie is a bit more um, stra- straightforward, maybe, but also just it has a tone and it sticks to the tone mm-hmm. essentially. I think it's one of those things where you can tell, like, just the the themes of you know being an outsider and fighting against the system and and self-actualizing and all that. Yeah, that's definitely in their wheelhouse, but I think the one difference for me, at least on rewatch for this, was, like you said, kind of tone. With the Wachowskis, it's usually like extreme, no hold back on sincerity, and this one definitely yes. has room for it, but they don't really lean into that at it's, all. It's a bit understated at mm-hmm. times. I remember uh, the first time I saw the movie, I found the uh, sequence where Evie realizes that she's being tortured by V and she has her big revelation and she goes out into the rain and she screams at the sky and they have big flashback to to V doing it too because they're the same now. It's interesting. um, It's very dramatic. I I, I didn't like it that much the first time because I found it so dramatic compared to the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. And if that was a normal Wachowski movie, the whole movie would be like that. Yeah, I think it's, I really like that scene because um, it is, it does threaten on being potentially cheesy, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, you can totally read that as cheesy. It's fine. But I really like the difference between her and the kind of actualizing because she's doing it in the rain and he's doing it on fire (laughs) so it's like even though they're they're kind of went through the same experience because he put her through the almost exact same experience that he went through minus you know the little chemical testing um on her it's interesting because like she is i think after that more settled than he is Mm -hmm. and is more not at peace but just kind of more confident and aware of herself whereas he is like you know on fire and in a rage and it simmers mm-hmm. and but it's there the whole time and he is just strictly there for revenge in the sense that you know it's a personal vendetta but it's also on a global scale as well so it's just interesting because you have those two intercutting moments of them like realizing i've escaped you know i broke free from this and think, she's in the brain and he's on fire yes that sort of uh, distinction between them mm. is part of the the theme of the difference between uh, v is a 
man, mm-hmm. and V is a figure, which they basically bookend the movie with in a way, is, yes. is talking about that difference. <laughs> and I think the point, in a way, is that the the figure version of him is, is the one to be admired in yes. a sense that the movie wishes you to admire, which is the man that uh, decides to take action, mm-hmm. essentially. His, his motivations are selfish in a way. I mean, that seems unfair because he has good reason to be mad. But yeah. essentially, it is about revenge. Yeah. It's, it's just vendetta. that <laughs> he does believe that his actions and will also benefit other yeah. people. But I think, you know, his initial incentive is not really about Revolution. the people. Yeah, it's about himself. And that's the fact that he wears the mask means he's trying to make it not about himself right. and that's what Evie tries to talk about too at the mm-hmm. end is that in terms of what he actually accomplishes it's about everyone mm-hmm. even if deep down you know it was for him yeah. which is why it helps that you don't see him I think without the mask yeah. it makes it easier to think of him in in both those ways you don't just think like oh there he is and now he's putting on the mask pretending right you know it feels more I mean you do see getting him ready and and so it does feel like a bit of dress up but you never actually see him. yeah you don't have any any experience with him Mm -hmm. as himself Uh, you only I mean you you may see him like put the stuff on but it's not like you spend any time with him when he doesn't have it on exactly that's just sort of a I don't know cool dress-up montage (laughs) it's good because it's always paralleling them in the beginning Mm -hmm. because you know he's getting ready for the evening and so is she and they're they're going to meet up but uh, i think it's interesting because the movie like you said it bookends with her being talking about v as the idea as the figure of this vendetta this revolution for the country but the beginning of the movie is her talking about the gunpowder plot and mm-hmm. Guy Fox and talking about, you know, Guy Fox is a figure of this idea of this revolution. And then she goes on into this whole spiel about how she's like, but you can't kiss an idea, you can't love an idea. And yeah. she's essentially saying, like, I miss the man. But by the end of the movie, it's it's not like that isn't there anymore. It's just more like, well, I miss him personally and they won't ever really know him the way I did. And I'll never forget him, but what he's given to me is different than what he's given to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is essentially similar enough and important enough that it's going to be an act for change. Yeah. So. I was thinking if I was really going to criticize the movie. Mm, go for it. What I could say is just that it's almost too neat. Mm. Uh, like it's, I, I like that kind of thing. You know, I really like movies that really tie themselves together <laughs> in little bows. But, you know, as we've talked about the beginning and the ending, they have the same theme she's talking about. Uh, at the beginning, uh, I want to talk about, uh, you know, not the idea. I want to talk about the man. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know, she's saying, uh, I will remember the man. V himself is talking about uh, in the climactic scenes, you mm-hmm. know, you can't kill an idea. You can only idea. kill a man. Yeah. So you can't stop me. Oh, my God. I was Which such a, a sucker scene. for that line <laughs> the first time I saw it. It's like, ideas are bulletproof. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God. But, you know, that's all very, very polished, and it, it bookends everything. And then you also have stuff like... Uh, you do have some really good Evie, rhetoric in there. Evie, um, her parents mm-hmm. are, are taken away when she's a kid, and she sees them underneath the bed yeah. as their faces are smashed into the floor next to her and, and dragged And the black away. bag takes them. Yes, yeah. and then uh, the exact same thing happens when Stephen Fry is taken away, 
and she's in the same position. I literally made a note of that. I'm like, damn it, Natalie Portman, why do you always choose the same hiding place? <laughs> it never works out well for you. Well, it worked out for her. I mean, and, in the long run, But, yeah. you know, it's it's the exact same. It's a parallel. Mm-hmm. And the movie has a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. And you could almost say maybe it's a little too much because it's like there are parts where it really, really wants you to make these connections. Mm-hmm. And some of them could probably be made without literally making them the exact same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... It isn't really, uh, it isn't a horrible problem. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I think might be the kind of thing that, that bothers some people about the movie, maybe as an adaptation too. Maybe mm-hmm. they feel that the original story was sort of ambiguous and rough around the edges, and this there, movie is very... It's not as very, black and white. Yeah, this movie morality. is very polished yeah. too. It's very, um, it knows what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's going for that exact result, and it doesn't really deviate. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's that a very tight movie yeah. in terms of plotting. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that so. long, is it either? It's, it's about like two hours. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. efficient. And th- yeah, considering all the stuff that they have to go through with the plot points, it is actually fairly efficient. It's kind of interesting. That's what I was saying about the structure, which mm. I found kind of nice watching it again. Is it feels like by the time you've got the necessary exposition out of the way, mm-hmm. the movie is basically winding down, and you don't really feel like it's dragging out. You you have her meeting him and throughout their experiences you are learning about his past yes by the time you pretty much learned about his past you're already at the part where evie is about to get is about to get tortured by him yeah and then right after that she just says okay i'm gonna go yeah you're instantly into like the rest of the year passing you know it just you're getting like the montage okay now here we go we're back to november 5th again yeah and then you're at the end of the movie basically i mean that part maybe takes a little bit of time obviously Mm -hmm. it's important but it kind of feels like it very quickly sets things up and then just takes you where you need to go. Hmm, is it like a domino effect? It is. <laughs> where it takes a lot to set what up a, a and then it just takes a beautiful <laughs> smashing and uh, a beautiful and very necessary artistic flourish. I was reading up on that and like the amount of time it took for people to set up that damn domino like setup is insane. You know, I see people say like it looks really cool, but is it ridiculous that V apparently sets up these dominoes just so he can knock, knock them down. all down like that and make a cool no, thing? No, I say no. This dude wears a mask, okay? Yeah, well, that. But I also just <laughs> think, like, he has a year. he got to kill some people. He's got to set some things up. But really... He's got to he, kill some time, too. Yeah, like, he doesn't have that much to do. Yeah. This is obviously the kind yeah. of thing he's going to... Yeah, and gonna... honestly, let's be real. <laughs> V's a little bit of a, a drama, a drama he's a little, there. He's a little bit. He would 100% be like, you know what? I'm just going to do this for me, and it's going to be great, and it's going to look so cool and no one else is going to see it, but it's going to work out because it's going to be set to a really awesome montage that I don't know about <laughs> diegetically in this scene. I really hope that they managed to get it the first time. I think they Because did. that would be awful. Because I think, I don't remember the numbers, but it took like over, I believe, like 200 hours to set that baby up. Oof. Yeah. They probably have lots sure. of domino safeguards. Oh, no, so they had, like, professionals coming in to yeah. get that shit on lock. But, um, they had those safety pieces so I it totally wouldn't all fall over. I totally think it's worth it. I totally was like, yes, this imagery. So I appreciate the logic behind it of people questioning it, being like, really? He set this up? Really? But it's like, I don't even care. It looks cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and as we've said, it is a rather understated movie sometimes. It doesn't go over the top like some of the Wachowski movies. And so sometimes I think, it does. Yeah, I, well, I think it deserves to have a few little moments where mm-hmm. it gets to do that, since yeah. it spends most of its time trying to tone it down, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, uh, do you have a do you have a particular scene 
that is your favorite scene. I wanted sequence. to talk about that. Um, I mean, my favorite scene is, is the letter scene, uh, the Valerie's <sighs> letter scene. Devastating. Which I think is also my favorite just because, in a sense, it can be a little short film, like in the middle of the movie. Oh, yeah. You could watch it out of context. So where Evie is in fake prison, mm-hmm. and she uh, receives letters through the wall uh, from this woman, Valerie, talking about what happened to her which are actually real because they are essentially the letters that V himself received. Well, and they were both in Yeah, he's feeding together. feeding the same thing back to her. And she's just talking about uh, her life uh, growing up uh, when things were better and basically the government turning and things getting worse and, uh, and oppression becoming more apparent and mm-hmm. they come for her and her girlfriend and... and her life is ruined and she's put well she's experimented on it appears because she's in the facility with V yeah. but essentially she's taken away and it is just, it's a microcosm of the movie and also it's just it, it doesn't really even need the setting of V Frendetta you know this is mm-hmm. a tale as old as his time and, and dystopian yes. and fiction and oppression and, and reality and uh, it's sort of the thesis statement for the movie, I mm-hmm. think. Oh, I, I saw someone describe it as the point from which all the character motivations flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where V apparently gets some comfort and also probably inspiration mm-hmm. to do I mean, what he's he doing. I mean, he uses her, her flowers as kind of markers yes. to kill people. He, send, he sends the flowers that, that she liked to the, uh, as a message. Yeah, to the victims. To, yeah, and, uh, well, and, yeah, and then he uses that same motivation to essentially inspire... Evie, mm-hmm. so that is the linchpin of exactly. all of it. Yeah. yeah, and it feels like they know it's basically the most important scene, mm-hmm. and it has a completely different feeling from, of course, the rest of the movie because it's this dreamy flashback sort of sequence. Yeah, that is inevitably horrifying, but also beautiful when it begins before everything gets awful. Yeah. And despite the fact that this is apparently possibly the most faithful part of the uh, movie, mm-hmm. the uh, original, I would say it somehow it also feels like the most you know Wachowski type thing. It yeah. I would I would say it just feels like probably a large part of the reason they wanted to be involved with this in the first place mm-hmm. is is that sort of scene and what it means for the rest of the story. So yeah. that's my favorite scene, but I will just jump in on myself to say that watching it the last time I really really loved the big montage sequence where the um, yeah what you uh, detective Mr. Finch, Finch yeah. is describing how he thinks things are going to go wrong which is essentially a great description of every uprising ever mm-hmm. uh, he's like things are going to yeah chaos will make yeah, some someone's going to do something yeah. stupid and it's all going to boil over and yeah. you see that happen and you see V with his dominoes and it's all cut together very nice I think mm-hmm. and it, it just works it takes you into the third act basically and it makes you very excited mm-hmm. for what's about to happen yeah it does a good job of reminding you of okay, okay let's summarize everything that's happened mm-hmm. so far and use that momentum to push it forward, so it sets it up very nicely. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I think, and I was saying uh, that I initially found the movie a bit slow, maybe, mm-hmm. and I still sort of feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I was interested in it um, in the beginning, because it really does have to set up quite a lot. Yeah. But it it pretty much pays off in that sequence. You yeah. see, you know, a rapid series of, of images, too, of, mm-hmm. like, 
of the flashbacks you've seen previously of V breaking out of, of the other victims of all this different stuff of um of Valerie's letter and her flashbacks mm-hmm. and it's like after what's got to be you know 90 minutes or so of setup the movie sort of boils all of those elements into one montage yeah and prepares you for the big finish and it makes it worth it even if you're watching it again I'm not saying you'll you'll suddenly love every bit but even if parts are slower or, or more tedious, once you get to the montage, you'll feel like, well, it's okay that yeah. I felt that way. It's worth it now, basically. Yeah, I think, I mean, you touched on it earlier, but I think it's really nice that, like you said, it is definitely a slow build mm-hmm. with the first act. And then by the time you get that montage, I mean, there's really not that much movie left in terms of what needs to be done. Like, that he just needs to show up and, and blow up the building and also take down Sutler. By making a, a deal yeah. with Creedy. <laughs> and that's it. That's really it. And yet, for the, some reason, the ending doesn't feel rushed at all. It doesn't feel like, oh, here's a bunch of information that was fed to us, and now we just get this as the ending. Because, like, mm-hmm. the ending is very cathartic, but I also think you need that really slow setup in order for it to work. But, yeah. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene is the... Uh, it's kind of a two-parter. So it is the uh, death scene with the coroner lady, Delia. Yes. With V. So she's one of his uh, victims from his past that he has come back to take revenge on. And so, like we talked about before, he has like the, the Voice of London newscaster, main propaganda guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a commander at this facility that V was at he is going to take revenge on a priest who was there for like human resources and rights under this facility um, he's he's essentially just like eliminating everybody who was in a power of position at this facility because they did horrible horrible committed awful human mm-hmm. crimes yeah so obviously one of the last ones on the list it's great because it, it's it ties into the idea of the detectives on the case and it sets up this nice tension of they just met with this coroner for the latest autopsy and they show her a rose that V has been leaving for all of his victims and you know they leave her place go somewhere else to because Finch's sidekick guy is like hey you gotta check this out and he's like I essentially found this list of all these people and here's the common thread they all used to work at this place Mm -hmm. all these people are dead except for this one person and then he quickly figures out, like, through a series of calls and investigating very quickly, like, oh, shit, that was the coroner we just talked mm-hmm. to, so they have to turn around and come back. So it's a nice, like, parallel tension that's happening. And then you get this really kind of slow but really beautiful scene between V and the coroner, Delia, because she was one of the scientists experimenting mm-hmm. on him. And she has a journal. She's like, take my journal. She's like, does it really matter if after everything I've done if I say I'm sorry and he's like yeah it's okay and it's just I my favorite part is when she's like are you going to kill me now he's like I already did 10 minutes Mm -hmm. ago and then she does the whole will it be painful and he's like no so it's like it's that one small mercy out of all the people he's eliminated she's the one that I think he really takes the time to have a conversation with because I don't know if he has a really long conversation with any of the other ones. Um, well, I'm pretty sure he eliminates them very yes. quickly. I assume it's because she is actually... Remorseful. Remorseful. Yeah. I really like how remorseful she is. Yeah. And the fact that it's believable. Mm-hmm. And then the movie shows you... Yeah, it's a very quick journal. character arc. 
and she's very and that's the lovely thing is you get the death scene and you're still kind of like okay there's certain things going on and then her journal is the big catalyst kind of blows the case wide open for the detective and it gives you the most extensive flashback of here are all the players involved and here's what they were doing and here is V and this is why he's doing what he's doing yes but just the scene between them is just I just like Mm -hmm. it a lot and I love the fact that despite her being remorseful she's very like accepting of her death and he's very like I'm still going to commit with it yeah well I like I like that her journal actually has her narrating yes and and she's actually pretty horrible in it yeah Um, I like that that it actually shows you that you know you can get the basic character archetype from her of like oh she's remorseful she feels bad about what she did you might think like like she uh she didn't really know what she was doing was wrong but then it just shows you what she was actually doing and she's talking about like well she she says like if only these people understood you know the good they're doing for the country they would they would appreciate us she's like i don't they don't even look me in the eye and i just kind of hate them yeah and you can just tell how much she actually changed from that distinction which i like yeah no that's one of my favorite scenes because i think it's a a nice one because it sets up for even more backstory that's super important yeah but it's also just like a nice scene between because v doesn't really interact with anybody else besides evie and his victims and this is the longest interaction that he has um i do also enjoy his speech when he hacks the uh the tower for the newscast well speaking of him talking and also backstory and things like that Mm -hmm. i was thinking i actually also really love this scene now where he uh, disguises himself and goes and basically expositions to the detective yeah and explains to him the entirety of what happened afterwards they realize it was actually v and so they you know at that point in the story they kind of doubt what he said but essentially he has told you I think you're supposed to understand what actually happened. Yeah, there's Although like it is couched as a hypothetical. Yeah. And I really like that because it's another sequence where essentially you could take it out of the movie and it's just like a hypothetical description of how a corrupt government could gain Rise power. To power. Yeah. yeah. And um, it obviously fits into the backstory of this movie, but it just feels like something that would apply to so many different possible situations and that might be the scene that benefits the most mm-hmm. from Hugo Weaving's performance I think mm-hmm. because so much of it comes from the fact that he's like <laughs> it's like he's getting faster and faster he's like feverishly describing this this scenario yeah like he you, he just sounds you know well, obsessed what if they found this virus? obsessed with it what yeah if this happened yeah it's really yeah I really like the, the you have these two big reveals in terms of backstory of what's happening obviously yeah. the third big twist is he was actually the one torturing Avery but you have the big reveal with the journal with the scientist Delia and then you have the big reveal from him and one's on a personal level of like this is what I did to him mm-hmm. and then the second reveal is like and this is the consequence of that is out of this facility that he blew up and became kind of superhuman because of his genetics and stuff or whatever they were messing with it worked on him more or less they mm-hmm. found a virus and yeah. that, here's what they did as a result well you get such a vague sort of secondhand mm-hmm. uh, reveal yeah with with the first iteration of that where where you're learning things and you're also learning of it a lot of it through like images it's a perspective yeah too yeah. i mean you have her talking and some narration a lot of it is just like you're sort of seeing the facility you're seeing what was going on you can infer the details of what they might have been doing right. and it works really well but you essentially then get 
him giving you straight exposition for like five minutes. And it and works. It, you yeah, should it, be bored when someone does that, but no. You're right. Be it's very because bad. he gets so like clearly very invested and feverish yeah. about being like, and here are my theories and you're just like, Oh my god And it's crazy because he's he's talking really fast and you're like, he's invested but you're also like, I'm getting really invested because this is horrifying. Because that, that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently like it did happen. I'm sure more yeah, or less. I mean things like that have happened. Mm-hmm. That exact situation is I think sort of a very worst case scenario version. Yeah. Uh, where they you know, basically the government kills how many children is it supposed to be? I don't like? remember the amount of children, but the total is a uh, hundred thousand. Yeah, on purpose, so yep. people will think that there was a terrorist attack. Yep. Uh, which is obviously a um, idea that also is just very popular in conspiracy theories. Yes. All across the globe, yep. whether or not it is true. Yeah. And to have it actually played out in a movie yes. is pretty Horrifying. scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, those are all really good scenes. Yeah. Uh, I will note that, you know, these really good scenes, almost all of them involve Hugo Weaving. Mm, how about that? Except for the, except for the Valerie's Yeah, you did scene. take, that was the one I was going to choose. But that is rather special and different from the rest of the movie anyway. Yeah. I know we are talking quite a bit about Hugo Weaving because we love him and he is a very uh, popular player for the Wachowskis, but I think we should definitely give a lot of credit to Natalie Portman yes. for what she's doing. She's very good. I can't comment on if her accent is good, but neither can I. She has a good performance. Yes, agreed. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a harder, harder the harder role. It's it's a very raw role at times. While I said when I initially watched it, I found some of those scenes melodramatic. Mm-hmm. The fact is, the reason that I can still buy them is because she pulls it off, and it's very easy to imagine them being painful to sit mm-hmm. through if someone couldn't quite do it. Because, I mean, you have to look like your whole world has been rocked and that is difficult and it has to be sustained too you know she isn't just having like a a shot river shot little reaction scene of of, freaking out yeah Yeah. freaking out like they're making her do this extended scene of of crying and freaking out and shaking and having a breakdown yeah yeah it's definitely a a feat yeah it's a very important scene and if it's not done right it doesn't really you can't really follow her character through for the rest of it and i find her convincingly changed as well she isn't you know she doesn't feel horribly naive or anything at the start which maybe is the intention i'm not sure uh she certainly comes across as competent to me i think it's one of those things where it's like she's she's aware of what's going on obviously because of her background with Mm -hmm. her parents as activists and her brother being one of the kids that died in the virus but I, i also think it's I don't know how else to put it. She does a very good job of being like most people where, oh, I'm just kind of put my head down and, and try and get through the day. Well, yeah. And at the end, um, she just feels older. Yeah. She's still the same person, just older as if, you know, you have actually seen the time pass. And yeah. she has this sort of stillness to her. Yes. Like she... She's isn't. Calm. She's yeah, she's, she's sure she of everything. Ex- yeah, she's very sure of herself and she's sure of what she's her decisions you know my favorite one of the best parts i think is when v has died and she has done a very nice little memorial for him Mm -hmm. in the tube uh and finch catches her and he tells her like don't pull that lever and then she just goes no that's just like very calm but defiant but also like eerie in the sense of with that one where she's like i'm not gonna do it Mm -hmm. and 
why not because he's right and this country needs to change and that's enough for this detective who albeit one who has been discovering some pretty nasty things about what happened to get this country the way it is with all the conspiracies and kind of cover-ups it's you know he's already kind of set up to agree with her and let her get away with it but I think she has a very mm. nice performance in that scene where she is as calm and collected as she is when she is getting tortured and they tell her hey we're gonna shoot you and she's like okay I'd rather die yes like it's still there obviously the impact of being tortured which sounds awful and is really rough to watch yeah. um, it could have been worse honestly um, they don't make it too graphic but it is pretty awful what she goes through to have that stillness kind of and momentum throughout after that scene is really cool to watch because you're like yeah she is still has her convictions and is going through with this and Mm -hmm. has clearly been changed and it's great because like we talked about it bookends it where she's talking about the idea from as opposed to the beginning where she's talking about the man and it's like she is now kind of taking up the reign of V because She's on a rooftop with a guy, and she's, you know, echoing the same thing that V did with her, and the the role has changed. She has now become in, like, the mentorship position, or, like, mm-hmm. the position of, of power and revolution, which is really cool to see. It's a good change. Yeah. Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> Torture is not fun. It, it, it is not great to watch, and it, there's just a lot of Holocaust imagery, which is very rough, yeah. but... I was thinking about the theme of the movie and mm-hmm. how essentially the movie, at least, what it is trying to be, I think, fundamentally is, you know, a message against fascism and totalitarianism and all that. Mm-hmm. And from what I've heard, there is certainly some ambiguity and alternative messages in the graphic novel about, you know, chaos and order and, and anarchy. anarchy and all that. And I can see how that isn't really present in the movie but I think the movie is essentially trying to do what I said it's not interested in being that ambiguous though it has ambiguity it's essentially about how this situation with the government in this movie would be really bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know illustrating a scenario where despite that there is a way for the people to rise up and change it Mm -hmm. And obviously in a very symbolic fashion because he blows up the Houses of Parliament. That doesn't necessarily mean everything is fixed now. Right. But it means that he has proven that things can happen that people wouldn't have believed, essentially. Yeah. And that's all that really matters in terms of whether this movie works, is whether you feel the danger of it and you feel the relief that something has been done. Yeah. And... I think there's plenty of ambiguity in the fact that he himself is clearly not a very good person. He's not the Um, most moral person. No. Um, And the fact that he is not our our viewpoint character, Evie is, Mm -hmm. because she is the person that is is more of a good person than he would be, and she is the one who basically understands him as, "I, I understand you and I understand what you are trying to do, which does not mean that I really can get on with you anymore. It's or, one of or those things where it's like a, a split again of I agree with your ideals and your mm-hmm. idea. I just can't agree with you as a person because of what you've done. Yes. And and I think that helps that he seems to feel probably that mm-hmm. there might not be a place for him anyway in, in what he's trying to do. 
Like, he's not interested in making everything fixed and then being there himself. Right. So that sort of self-sacrifice helps him have a bit more positivity on his side because I don't think he thinks the way he acts is the way the world should be as much as he thinks it's, it's one what of those he things wants that to do to, justify the yeah, means. to get it somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be friends with him or yeah. <laughs> agree with him. I really do love it where she is in his house and he's told her you have to stay here and then she kind of is like sorry for freaking out on you about that he's like oh no problem they're having a nice moment and then mm. the news comes on she's like oh my god you're murdering people he's like yes yes and she's like are you gonna murder more people he's like yes. oh yes <laughs> like he's very blunt and upfront about it and i appreciate that because it's a it's a good stark difference between the two of both of them agreeing like okay what's currently going on in the country is wrong and he's like yeah i'm, I'm going to take these measures to Mm-hmm. course correct it or at least inspire people to course correct it but my methods are not the best methods yeah. for i think mass you know population to do but he's like there, there has to be some evocation of change so i like the the end too where all the people take off their masks i was gonna ask you about that obviously felt about could that. be considered cheesy as well i suppose mm-hmm. but as we have established we like that sort of thing we do and I like the way it's done where you see, you know, some random people doing it. Mm-hmm. And then you see, I believe, first you see some characters you know. You see the detective, I think. Yeah. And, and of course, it may be apparent to you at that point, that's weird. Like, I thought he was elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then they start to have people uncover. They, you know, you see Stephen Fry. You see the little girl. You see Valerie. That, that died, and you see Valerie. Yeah. And it... it it does it in a way I like where, you know, first you're understanding the idea of, of course, like, everyone is is V and everyone is represented here. And then it slowly introduces, like, this element of, oh, and, like, everyone in the movie is here in a way, but before it goes to the well of even the ones that are dead. Yes. So, the, so it sort of fully moves into this surreal area where you realize I'm not seeing what's actually happening you know I'm seeing a symbolic representation yeah but it sort of builds up to I like that Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's the right way to execute it so you I don't know it ends up feeling inspiring if it wasn't done in that precise way I think it would feel slightly jarring or confusing confusing. I think people still get confused about it I know the first time I saw it I got confused (laughs) I was like wait are they dead? And I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. That's that, clever. That's the big plot twist, and yeah. no one actually died. Nobody and it dies. was all part Just of an kidding. elaborate Stephen trick. Stephen Fry makes it. Um, yeah. I could understand. I mean, like, you don't see Stephen Fry die. So the first time you see him, maybe you'd think, like, oh, he survived. No. Nope. I think by the time you see, like, well, you see the, the little girl yeah. who you saw get shot. So yeah, it's like, she's dead. that should pretty much ram And then you see and you're like, she's definitely dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really I think this movie has really good rewatch value. Uh, I think it really helps because, like I said, there are lots of stories kind of going on at the same time from different perspectives with flashbacks. Uh-huh. So obviously, like we talked about before, you get the flashback with um, Delia's journal, and if I mean it's not like you have to be eagle-eyed or anything for this, but Valerie's definitely there in line, and it's fun because it's well that's not fun, but it's it's. In, rewarding in the sense that 
the more that's revealed, the more you see just how interconnected these people are. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice when you watch it again, you're like, oh, that's why they were kind of closing in on this person on the camera. She looks familiar. She's, you know, there's a lot of mass graves. Oh, why are they focused on this face? It's like, oh, because you're going to get her story later on. Mm -hmm. um, so I like the reveal and I like the structure of that. And I think that is what makes it a good rewatch. And on top of that, it, it becomes pretty obvious when Evie is captured by V, that it is V interrogating her. Yes, really You can is. hear the Hugo weaving if you're it's basically doing for his it. Agent Smith voice. A little bit. It's like Ameri more like mm -hmm. American and less monotone. That's that's the biggest thing I took away watching it this time mm -hmm. is um, the way it's put together. Yeah. And just the fact that it feels like all these little bits of dialogue and little bits of visual mm -hmm. imagery and just symmetry and stuff like that mm -hmm. were were carefully placed to make it so the movie reflects on itself throughout its runtime mm -hmm. until it sort of perfectly wraps itself up at the end. Yeah. And I think a person might not agree with its message or they might not like the characters or whatnot, but I think it would be hard to deny how sort of polished the whole It is very well constructed. Uh, yeah, the whole product is. Yeah. I would imagine there's a lot of controversy that could have been generated for this movie, but I don't have much recollection of it because the the word terrorist is thrown around quite a bit, and then that also you know brings up for debate. You know, is he a terrorist? Is is he a freedom fighter? Mm -hmm. Like, what is what is that term mean within the context of this movie, and within the context of the political climate in which it came out? But then you also have you know, blowing up buildings, and then you have a priest who is clearly not following celibacy. <laughs> that's interesting um, and that also, that's in there. Yeah, and it's very straightforward. They're just like, sir, the agency called and there's been a mix-up and the girl that you have, well, she's much older than you're used to. And it's just like a very creepy yeah. scene. Well, I think it's interesting just because... Um, there, there's a lot of commentary going on about these authority figures yeah. and they're in a controversial light in the sense of like well this could be a you know a, a statement on the, the view on the church and this is a view on the government and yet for all of that because you can definitely i mean it's there it's not just even about, subtle. about corruption everywhere exactly but um and just like certain types of corruption mm -hmm. but it's just interesting because i don't really remember that much controversy surrounding it and that could just be me because I was a lot younger and I didn't see it when it came out and I wasn't really following those mm -hmm. news trends uh, around certain movies. Um, but I, I do find it interesting that I don't have that memory, but I'm assuming it was there because to, to make these big statements or, yeah. or portray these certain authority figures on screen like that. I think maybe it helps that it does feel like they're trying to cover a lot of bases in terms of all the different ways people can abuse power and be right. bad and also all the different types of ways people yeah, can be abused. Yeah, nobody looks good in this movie. Um, so they might make it the kind of thing where it'd be easy for even a person who might be the kind of person it was kind of directed at mm -hmm. to still watch it and feel like they're the heroes. Yeah. Because they, they might be able to still find something they recognize in the villains mm -hmm. that they don't like. There's a lot of targets. Yeah. Uh, I do also think that it, it helps that it has been set in the future and there is a lot of like conspiracy theories mm -hmm. going around and a lot of cover-ups because it gives you the scare factor of this is definitely plausible. It doesn't mean it has probably happened. I mean, it 
it can and it will. It's the, the potential is there. And I think that also helps maybe undercut some of the attacks on authority figures mm-hmm. about corruption is because you're like, well, this this is the political climate that they're in and there's a potential for that climate to actually come yes. about uh, with these policies and views on the other and authority and righteousness and fascist uh, something, uh, nationalism. Well, something that's interesting, uh, I've seen this is true in the uh, graphic novel too, apparently, mm-hmm. is that we don't really know why the uh, was picked to be one of these people that was experimented on. Right. Uh, we don't know if uh, one thing I see yeah. a lot of speculation of. We we don't know if like he is uh, what what his race is. Like maybe that's why. Maybe he you know if he is part of some minority group that led to them. Yeah. It should be noted that everybody that is being rounded up and experimented on are all minorities, whether yes. it's through race, ethnicity, or sexuality. But I think we can assume that or they gender. might even have more even more narrow definitions, you know, of, of the types of people they might want to pick up, you know. Yeah. So it could be a lot of different things, too, you yeah. know. It could be obvious stuff. It could be heritage stuff. It could be yeah, I mean, something the, the that's main, not visible. The main person know? who gets picked up that you see her story play all the way through has been sent to this concentration camp because she is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So that, that one's like That's clear That's cut. very clear. But then they also make a comment, I think, earlier about, like, um, I believe, like, different races and different religious groups, like, they got rounded up, too. Yeah, but then, of course, we don't we don't know why V was there, but, yeah. of course, it doesn't really It doesn't really matter, because the point is he, he kind of just encompasses all yeah. minority oppression. That's what is good about it, I think. And he gets burnt horribly, and he doesn't have eyes. That really freaks me out. Mm. Anyway, I'm sure there's some deep symbolic <laughs> meaning for that. But could he oh, see? Could read. he see out of the mask? Could he go see out of the mask? I don't I know. I would imagine so. I wonder if that was one of the problems James Purfoy had with it. Like you can't could, see. Can you yeah. not see? I did read somewhere that for that scene where you know Larkin Hill, which is the or uh, Lark Hill, the the big facility mm-hmm. that they are doing all the experiments on, that is the equivalent of a concentration camp. Um, they did the scene with a stuntman actually on fire. Like obviously there are some other effects yeah. and stuff going on, but they they had him <laughs> in a g-string covered in like you know the fire repellent, and they had to make sure that his body temperature was lower. I read this somewhere. I don't know if this is correct or oh, not. I believe it. But so I'm not sure if all the, those details are correct, and you can definitely do your due diligence, loyal listeners, for research. They, uh, but they definitely set him on fire. <laughs> they did that for Game of Thrones once. Yeah, yeah, they did. They I think they they fire. won the record for most people, most stuntmen on fire at the same time <laughs> for the latest season. Well, our stuntmen should be applauded as well. Yes. Uh, I don't think they get enough credit. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just think that's really cool where this, it's interesting because it was advertised as from the creators of the Matrix trilogy, and it's not as action-driven as you would assume for that type of marketing, and the, the action scenes that you do get, um, aside from the the big one with his knives and Creedy. It's and almost, a, it's a tease almost. At the beginning, you get that one pretty early. Yeah. And I think someone might think that's the kind of movie it is, but, you know, it doesn't really happen again. Yeah, I mean, you have his, his hallway fight scenes, and they're... I, I don't want to take away from the choreography, but they're pretty standard. Like, it's a pretty straightforward action. There's no crazy stylistic flair to it, um, which is interesting because he is kind of portrayed at some element, like, of a superhero. Like, he gets stabbed, he gets shot at, and he still, you know, keeps coming for people. And the only time you feel like 
oh, he isn't going to be able to get out of this is at the very end when they're shooting at him. And then he still goes around and slashes, like, the bejesus out of people. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, probably a part of the the difference in the fact that the Wachowskis didn't direct it. Mm. Uh, as we say in all parts. Not to say these action scenes are not more More good, realistic. But for something that was advertised as, yeah, obviously more, more realistic and grounded, despite it coming from a graphic novel. And we can say the one scene we do know the Wachowskis directed is absolutely the most over-the-top action scene in the movie because it's the scene where V kills like 10 to 12 guys after they shoot him full of bullets Mm -hmm. before they can reload their guns. And he does his great line, ideas are bulletproof. Yeah. Which is really awesome, but definitely only could have gone at the end. Yep. And they can only get away with it because they're so good at action scenes. Yep, agreed. I think it's funny that's the one scene they did. Yeah. I mean, they that apparently we did know some of others, that yeah. they did. I, I always tell you, like, the, the scene with the priest, I feel like, the, for some reason, I'm just like, it seems like... I'm not sure. Said, oh, I have no something idea. Something that briefly not... occurred to me watching V Frendetta mm-hmm. is something that I was thinking about with their other things, mm-hmm. which is that they seem to avoid putting in... Uh, rape or sexual assault type scenes in their work when they can. Yeah. And V for Vendetta has two of those yep. at the beginning. And the beginning is more so something that feels like something they wouldn't like to do very much. It's pretty, like, in terms of the dialogue, it's pretty graphic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that definitely strikes me as something that is not very Wachowski- Style. But we are purely speculating. The only one we know for sure is that action scene at the yes. end. Yes, I, I just think that is. It's an, it, it does kind of make a fun game of it when you're watching it. That you're like, oh, I wonder if they did second unit work. I would have to, yeah, I would have to think know. about that because, of course, they have a few movies where it's not relevant, like Speed Racer, where that would never come up. Yeah. Uh, and it's just not really something that is relevant in the Matrix either, really. No. But the, the thing is, like, it could be. Yeah. Someone could make a version of that that's, you know, grittier and has stuff like that in it, but they did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even when you think about, like, Bound is certainly a movie that would have room for a lot of that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Like, it has scenes that could be very close to that, but still basically avoid it. Yeah. Uh, like, th- you know, scenes full of threats Yeah. that seem to pretty much stick to violence. Yeah. Of the normal violence kind. Yes, not the um, sexual violence. Yeah, and I think that's uh, it's something I've been trying to keep track of. Because <laughs> mm. the only other time I could possibly see it happening is in uh, Sensei, really. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Yep. So. Agreed. I think that's just part of Vifra and being of a rather more uh, it, it is a bit grittier, you know. Yeah. It feels a bit more like it has influence from some Especially in those opening scenes, like, you know, a, a movie about, like, the gritty like London Underground. Like conspiracy thriller, you know? yeah. yeah. Agreed. Which isn't really their normal thing. I mean, the Wachowskis, of course, do not normally make movies about uh, Europe anyway. Mm. So, that's just a thought. Do you yeah. have any ending important V for Vendetta I, th- I do uh, I do quite enjoy V for Vendetta though I will say uh, doing it in this string of Wachowski watches um, 
it's certainly not the the happiest. <laughs> no. Uh, and you, we could get into a whole other discussion of you know the the ending of the Matrix trilogy, not feeling super happy as well. Um, and both of these do end on kind of like a note of hope, and I do like the fact that you don't get like a a cutscene to like ten years later. Look how great everything is. It's it's kind of open ended, which is nice. But the implication is it's going in the right direction now that this event has happened. Um, but I, I do like that you do get to see some characters that are going to show up later uh, in, in the Wachowski films. But I, I think it is important to note that uh, one of the best things that came out of this movie is Cloud Atlas. Because, <laughs> um, like we said, we just based on behind the scenes, the Wachowskis appear to have been on set quite a bit. And uh, one of the, the cool things that they had mentioned is uh, they spotted Natalie Portman on set reading this book that she was just super involved in and just took all of her all of her focus and her downtime reading this book and they asked her like what are you reading she's like oh i'm reading cloud atlas Mm -hmm. so thanks to natalie portman and the v for vendetta film shoot the wachowskis discovered cloud atlas i believe that originally they wanted her to be in it but that didn't happen but we can talk about that for that one but that comes up um i would just say that the thing I noticed the most when watching them in a row like this mm. uh, that distinguishes it from a Wachowski-directed movie, mm. it, it feels like a movie about things that they care about. It feels like a movie that uh, has a message in the way they like to have movies. Mm-hmm. It also looks like a movie full of Wachowski actors, because it is. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. And, of course, directed by their... I Really, we should figure that out... Um, one of their people, you know, I know he he worked on. Yeah, he did work on the Matrix. Stuff. I'm not sure what his his role was. I think he might in have even been assistant assistant yeah. director. Yeah. I'm so like sorry. That. We have not. We will have an answer for that because <laughs> surprise, he will work with them again. Yes, he does. Yes. So that'll that'll come up. Yeah. But uh, the biggest difference you notice is just you could call it flair or mm-hmm. or just this feeling like there's always a moment or sometimes just a whole movie with them that makes you feel like. Wow, they're really going for it this time. Yeah. And that's the one thing that you wouldn't really say of Vendetta. It isn't that kind of movie. I'm not sure if it um, has time to be that kind of movie, though, with so many moving parts like that. Well, you could certainly make it that kind of movie. It's true. Wanted. But I'm just saying, like, but it, just it is an adaptation. Kind of this is their first yes. adaptation that they've done. It's it's not um, it's not a movie that's trying to wow you with anything besides the story. its story. Yeah. It, it just tries to tell the story their movies are usually notable for trying to push some other kind of boundary mm-hmm. which is not what V Vendetta is like okay. but it definitely feels like something that belongs in there it's got some great one-liners guys great philosophical one-liners it does too. Ideas there are definitely lines that i assume come directly from the graphic novel yes. that feel like things they wish they could have written yes <laughs> they're like we're definitely using that one yeah agreed mm-hmm. anything else no, I'm Want to good. wrap it up? Yeah. All right, we're wrapping it up. Official wrap up. This yes. has been Vicky. Uh, this has been Camden, and I would like to say a sad goodbye to Hugo Weaving for one, one episode. One episode. Yes. Excluding Bound, he was not in Bound. Well, yeah, but, but we've had a streak. We've with had a streak, and the streak has ended now. Yeah. But we're doing Speed Racer next. Yeah, that's really yeah. more important. Yeah. Oh, just Next you wait, guys. If you think if you think V is, is good, but kind of slightly, I don't know, a little dreary, a little downcast. 
a little scary with the potential of the world and what has ended up in the state that it is in. (laughs) Just you wait for Speed Racer, folks. It'll make you feel better. Oh, it'll make your eyes feel. Like you're drowning in Skittles. Yep. Explosion of rainbows. Anywho, we should sign off probably. Okay. But we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys about that next time. Um, and we are signing off. This has been Grumpy Octopus's Wachowski Watch for the one, the only V for Vendetta. Woo woo. Goodbye. Goodbye. Wait for it. Wait for I the Wachow. Oh, you're leaving. Okay, well I'll do it myself. Wachow! Ha ha ha. He left. He's okay. He's gone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast, and also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. That I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook, and you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.